Be prepared, be realistic, be prepared for the worst, but do find those moments of joy uh, in the caregiving journey because they are there if you look for them. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I work one-on-one with family caregivers to help them find solutions to the often confusing behaviors that come with a dementia diagnosis. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. Our goal here is to focus on the caregiver, offer some practical insights, and share some emotional support. And maybe, maybe we might share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter's the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, I won't forget your wine. (laughs) So we've had guests from many, many diverse groups. But one group you are particularly interested in reaching out to are young caregivers. Yes, as we know, caregivers come in all ages, from very young children who have grandparents living in the home to working age adults, and then it goes up as high as, you know, 70-year-olds caring for 90-year-old parents. Um, It affects all age ranges. I particularly try to reach out to working age adults who might think that dementia is something that's way in the future, not understanding that their spouse in the next 10 to 15 years, and definitely their parents in that time frame very well could be affected. Which brings us to today's guest, an Atlanta-based digital journalist, author, and caregiver advocate. Her collection of essays about family caregiving, The Reluctant Caregiver, received a gold medal at the 2018 Independent Publishers Ippy Awards. She writes about dementia and caregiving on her blog, The Memories Project. We are pleased to welcome Ms. Joy Johnston. Joy, thank you for joining us, and it's our understanding that you are part of Gen X. Would you like to explain to our <laughs> listeners who that incorporates? Um, yes. Uh, first of all, thank you, Bobby and Mike, for having me on. Um, yeah, Gen X is, you know, that small slice um, of the population uh, between the boomers and the millennials. Um, the age range varies. And for me, I mean, I was born in 1974, so I'm squarely within that Gen X uh, group. And it, it, it's only about uh, about a 15-year uh, range. Uh, I think a lot of times, you know, somewhere between 1965 and 1980. And so I'm squarely in that that generation. And it's, you know, a generation that we, we joke about. We're, you know, often forgotten. Um, we were the, the latchkey kids, one of the original, you know, groups of latchkey kids. We took care of ourselves. We were we t- typically very independent. Uh, we've, you know, been through a lot of economic crisis and um, crises and political upheavals. So we're... Um, a, uh, quite a bit sp- suspicious and pessimistic about the world at large and and authority, right? Authority figures. So, um, yeah, it, you know, uh, I think uh, for me, uh, you know, trying to represent Gen X uh, through the caregiving uh, lens was important for me as I wrote about my own caregiving experience. And generally, you know, we kind of kick off a show by asking people about that, about their personal caregiving experience and what inspired them to do what they do now. Right. So what happened in my case is that uh, I was in my mid-30s, uh, 
beginning a career in um, a newsroom, which was uh, kind of my dream job um, at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and my father began developing signs of dementia. And uh, it over the course of, uh, you know, say four to five years, um, it progressed to the point where he could no longer live at home. Um, and, and keep in mind, I was a long-distance caregiver. So for my father, um, the situation was my parents... Uh, retired to New Mexico. I was born and raised in California, and it was just too expensive out there for them to retire. So they moved to New Mexico, where they knew no one, had no family members. I'm an only child. And so when my father uh, developed signs of dementia, my my mother was the primary caregiver um, in that situation. And then uh, I I did everything I could from a long distance perspective, you know, buying products, researching f- memory care facilities, researching, you know, Medicare benefits and 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 her veterans benefits if if those could help. And so I, I did a lot of computer research, but I wasn't doing the hands-on caregiving. My father died in 2011, and just six months later, my mother, out of the blue, was diagnosed with colon cancer, stage three, and that. It prompted me to uh, essentially give up my life here in Atlanta. I had actually started a new job that I was excited about, uh, but and, and I put my career aspirations on hold as my father was declining, which a lot of people do. Uh, I didn't want to start a new job knowing that my father was uh, in decline. So after my father's death, you know, even though I was still grieving, of course, I was like, okay, now is my chance to to focus a little bit more on me and my my future career. Well, you know, <laughs> best laid plans, right? Mm-hmm. So my mother um, was diagnosed, again, doesn't run in our family, she eats, she ate healthy, you know, no uh, risk factors whatsoever. And it was an emergency situation. She required emergency surgery on her 75th birthday. So I immediately left my home. I had to quit my job, my new job, which I didn't have any FMLA benefits because I had just you know, started, and um, it was a very small company, moved out to New Mexico uh, temporarily for the next six months to to help my mother recover um, from a very serious cancer surgery, and, um, and her, her recovery was complicated by blood clots. So that was a, a tremendous upheaval in my life, obviously. Um, I did have a spouse at the time uh, who was able to take care of the house and my pets, our pets. Uh, but it was, you know, it, it was, uh, it felt like I was, you know, floating in the middle of the ocean. I've been dropped in the middle of the ocean and, you know, I, I can't swim <laughs> literally and figuratively. <laughs> so, so I, I really felt lost and, um, but like with everything, you know, I am a journalist, so research, 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 right? So I, I, you know, researched, you know, her, her cancer diagnosis and, you know, the appropriate treatments and, and complications and, and, you know, I am glad, uh, very grateful that I was able to be there with my mother. I think it did actually absolutely help in her recovery. Um, she spent two months uh, after she was released from the hospital, she spent two months in a skilled nursing facility recovering um, from all of that. And she was able to return home and she had a good quality of life for uh, another about another year and a half. But as we know, with cancer, often it comes back and it did. And I, I, again, even though it was one of the most difficult experiences of my life, uh, I am very grateful that I was able to be there with her um, when she passed. And uh, that was in May of 2015. So you had quite an education <laughs> in caregiving. Yes. 
<laughs> yes. Well, the way I look at it is I really had, I had experiences on both ends of the spectrum. I had uh, the experience of being a long-distance caregiver and the, the uh, pros and cons of that, um, challenges um, with long-distance caregiving and not having, you know, as much control and, and, and having others make decisions. And then I had the flip side of it, which was having all the control as the primary caregiver and hands-on caregiver um, for a parent. So I, I do feel like I got quite an education. Uh, also, yes, you know, being on the younger end of the caregiver spectrum um, in the middle of my career and, and all, all, you know, the kind of earthquake <laughs> and the effect that that had on my finances and my personal life. Um, everything, it, uh, it, it really prompted me to uh, decide to write about uh, caregiving on a, on a greater level. Uh, I'd already began writing about dementia uh, caregiving after my father died, and I started a blog called The Memories Project, which I continue to write um, post-weekly uh, to this day. And so that, that is more focused on dementia caregiving. But I did also want to tackle the other uh, the other areas of caregiving, which include, includes, like the name of my book, uh, The Reluctant Caregiver, uh, you know, for people who, you know, caregiving doesn't come naturally to them. I wanted to include those people to let them know that they're not alone and that, in fact, you can be a, a successful caregiver even if you are reluctant. You know, we started this off talking about Gen X and what you touched on was, you know, you're just beginning to see your hopes and dreams for your career take off when this happens. And you mentioned mid-30s. And I think it's so important that, that you shared that with us. Because again, when we do outreach to people in their mid-30s, in their early 40s, they don't really understand the situation that you found yourself in. Caregiving doesn't just necessarily come for parents who are elderly. <laughs> your parents, based on your age, were, were young it would be considered probably a, a young onset dementia, and cancer can hit any of us at any time. But when we're talking about Gen X and Gen X caregivers, your situation, you know, really speaks to that at that time in your life. And that's also a time when people have, have young children and become the sandwich generation as well, which further complicates that. In your writing, do you write specifically Speaking to Gen X. Yes, I think I do. And, and, and just to clarify, uh, my parents were older when they had me, uh, especially for the, the mid-70s when I was born. So um, my, my mother uh, was 77 when she died, and my dad was 79 when he died. So th it, they were older than uh, most parents of you know, people my age. Um, so just to clarify that. But everything else, um, you said yes, absolutely. Uh, a lot of people my age are not prepared to be caregivers for their parents. And as you said, you know, early onset dementia can happen. Cancer can happen at any age. We should all be prepared at any time. And and also even for ourselves. I mean, you know, all the time I read stories, you know, people who are young and healthy and they're and, you know, I mean, look at the pandemic that we've, you know, still trying to come through. So I think hopefully we've learned some lessons there. Um, but yes, as far as my book, I, I, I write in a very frank, uh, raw tone with a, a lot of F-bombs. You know, this is not something you'd probably give to your grandmother <laughs> who goes to church. Well, you don't know my grandmother. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but you know, I wanted to really connect um, with the 
younger um, audience um, who, you know, it didn't necessarily uh, connect with, you know, kind of the more flowery. Uh, it's not rainbows, unicorns, and glitter. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and and that's another thing is that, you know, I, I do tend to be, I like to call myself a realist, but some people will call me a pessimist. But um, I cover in my in my book how, you know, my mom was was the eternal optimist to the point where, you know, it was like toxic positivity, in my opinion. Um, but on the other hand, I'm, you know, the, the opposite can be the eternal pessimist. And what I found was that both of our perspectives uh, hampered our abilities as a caregiver and that we probably would have been better off if we took a little bit of each other's perspective mm. and met somewhere in the middle. So that's another thing that I try to share in my book um, is that, you know, yes, be be prepared, be realistic, be prepared for the worst, but do find those moments of joy uh, in the caregiving journey because they are there if you look for them. Right. The old uh, prepare for the worst, but enjoy the best. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So on your blog, do you have people in your age group who are responding to it? And if so, are there certain issues that you're finding are most important to them? Yes, definitely. Uh, I've I've met such a, a wonderful group of fellow caregivers, uh, dementia caregivers, especially uh, from all around the world. And that's the great thing about the internet, right? You can connect with people all over the world who are going through a similar journey. And yes, I did. I've connected with younger people. And, and one thing I, I wanted to bring up, which doesn't impact me directly, um, because I've chosen not to have children, but there are people who have had to put their, you know, hopes of having children on hold because they are full-time dementia caregivers and they there's just no way that they could, you know, fathom being able to care for a newborn child and their, you know, parent who needs 24/7 care. Um, so that is something else to think about is that it can actually impact, you know, your your, you know, hopes and of a family. And unless you adopt, you know, you can only put that off for so long. Um, and I think another thing that people don't think about is uh, all the other things that can happen um, in addition to Unplanned, unexpected uh, diagnosis, just common things, you know, I've had to replace the water heater, I've had, you know, all these unexpected expenses that pop up, those things are going to continue even as you are dealing uh, uh, with a caregiving crisis, and including uh, relationship issues uh, are another thing that has come up on my blog. Caregiving can put a real strain on marriages, and it, and it certainly did mine, and I've, I find myself divorced now. So uh, that was certainly unexpected. And after all that I had been through on the caregiving journey was, you know, very difficult to, to fathom. And again, one thing that people don't like to talk about is the financial impact. Mm -hmm. But there is a huge financial impact with uh, family caregiving. And that is something that I think most people are woefully un unprepared for. That's one of the reasons why I developed a presentation called Prepare to Care what every adult needs to know about Alzheimer's and dementia before and after it strikes home, and gave that first presentation to a group of 40-year-olds. And even though I know about this disease, I was surprised by how many families, uh, their families were already being impacted. So, you know, the information you're putting out is hugely important. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And through uh, the internet, I've met so many other uh, caregiver advocates um, that are doing you know, really great work and caregiving organizations that are doing really great work to get the word out there to try to, you know, encourage lawmakers to provide funding to uh, caregiver programs, caregiver aid. I mean, you know, it really runs the gamut from family caregivers to paid caregivers. They're all 
underpaid or not paid at all. And it's just, it's an untenable situation um, going forward as, as our population rapidly ages. Uh, we're definitely going to need uh, more care services and, and we have to find a way to be able to pay them fairly. One of the things I noticed that is popping up all over, I'm at the back end of the baby boomers. When they kept shifting it, I <laughs> ended up in it, that generation. But I went through all the consolidation of schools and becoming school districts as opposed to a school. And now all those folks are our age, and it's now not the schools, but the care facilities. But also what's popping up is the, like in our place, it's the Loudoun County area on aging. And those seem to be popping up a lot. And we didn't have that when we were doing our caregiving back in the 2002 to 2009. Or we didn't think that we needed it and we didn't know that it was there. Right. Yeah, I'm excited about programs that are being launched at the city and county level uh, across the country. Um, And some of these are modeled upon European um, models that have been successful. Uh, But yes, you know, kind of a uh, caregiving focused community um, you know, care banks where people can exchange, you know, tasks, you know, you can mow someone's lawn and then, you know, you know they'll give you a ride to your doctor's appointment. So there's a lot of things that are happening kind of at the organic community level that uh, I think are going to be very beneficial. I hope that they catch on. I hope that they're successful. I hope that they can get funding or continue to receive funding um, because I, I think that that is where we're going to have to focus. I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to be able to count on the federal government to provide all these services. That It's going to have to start locally and uh, be able to support people at that local community level. You know, and one of the things that I try to teach when I do workshops is You don't have to be the hands-on caregiver in order to assist somebody who is caregiving for someone full-time. Things like you just mentioned, cutting the grass, getting a car inspected, picking up their medications. um, Grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. Coming in and spending time with the caregiver so they have somebody that they can talk to and feel safe with. All of those things can be part of that. Have you found or identified something that is almost critical or so important that we're missing, especially in supporting caregivers in their 30s and, you know, the younger caregivers who are so overwhelmed with their careers and sometimes children and, you know, multiple generations in the home? Well, I think one area that we definitely need to support better is um, aging in place. You know, it's it's a it's trendy buzzword, right? Everyone, want, everyone wants to age in place, but a lot of people don't realize how, how much effort and time and money it takes to allow someone um, to be able to safely age in place. But the more people that are able to age in place, the, then the less pressure will be put on younger generations who are, you know, have a full-time job um, to have to manage uh, the care 24-7. Uh, but that again is going to take a, you know a community um, and beyond uh, support uh, because you know depending upon the home uh, it may need physical you know infrastructure changes to you know ramps and etc you know shower bars things like that um, in addition to paid caregivers who you know may come into the home a few times a week help do light household duties uh, you know like you said maybe get groceries trim the grass things like that um, I, I do think technology can help 
fill the gap to a certain extent. It depends upon the, the person and um, if they're you know open to technology. Um, I did get my mother a, a cell phone, which she never had. She had the Jitterbug, which was a cell phone designed for older people. And she had uh, one of the, uh, you know, lifeline, like, buttons that you wear to prevent falls or, you know, at least to, to be able to receive uh, care if you fall. So those things were very important for me to have so that it would give me some peace of mind that if she did fall in the middle of the night and I'm 1,200, 1,300 miles away in Atlanta, that, that she could get help uh, immediately. So technology and supporting people who want to age in place. Um, because, you know, the other alternative facilities, they are so expensive. And, you know, people don't understand. This is another thing we're talking about. What people don't understand is that Medicare doesn't cover <laughs> a lot of those expenses. So people are going to pay out of pocket for that. And I think if, if pe- more people understood that, they would be shocked at the amount of money it takes uh, on a monthly basis to pay for facility care. Absolutely. You're exactly right. Joy, what we're going to do is we are going to put links to your website, your Facebook, and the Memories Project blog on our show website. Okay, great. So people can reach out to you. Great. Hopefully you'll just get pummeled with (laughs) new readers and people looking for your resources. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Love it. Well, thank you, Bobby and Mike, and I appreciate what you're doing um, through you know your, your website and this podcast. I think right, you know, podcast is a great new uh, you know way to get the word out about caregiving uh, in all of its uh, aspects. So I really appreciate uh, the effort that you're putting into this show. Yes, you know, like you said, it allows us to talk to people in several countries. I mean, we've been as far away as Singapore. I, in particular, appreciate that you're reaching out to Gen X and working caregivers. Like I said, that's that's definitely a focus of ours. And talking about things like care banks, I'm definitely going to be looking into things like that. Yes, and and care core is another thing I'm, I'm excited about. It's it's an idea that. Um, is going about young people would be able to, you know, offset college loans by uh, joining a caregiving corps uh, akin to the Peace Corps. So I think that would be a great program. That would be wonderful. Oh, I love that idea. Thank you for sharing that. You can find more information about Joy and links to her website, Facebook, and Memories Project blog on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we're dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer any questions you might have or just find out how you're doing. Please connect with us on our Roger That Facebook and Twitter. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. 
Find Missing Links League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.